0: Welcome to Mile High Magazine with your hosts, Adam Morgan, Murphy Houston, and Melissa Moore. Mile High Magazine takes a look at the issues and people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. Now, here's your host, Adam Morgan.
1: In 1958, education professional Dr. Ethel Percy Andrus invited to the National Retired Teachers Association, an organization she had founded a decade earlier, to all Americans over age 50 by creating the American Association of Retired Persons. Her National Retired Teachers Association still continues as a division within AARP. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. In 1999, the organization officially rebranded itself as AARP and currently counts more than 38 million members among its ranks. Its principal mission of advocating for and supporting older adults and positive aging in America after 50 years still continues intact. They have also added empowering Americans age 50 and older to choose how they live and how they will age. With a forthcoming National Conference on Placemaking and Livability in Age-Friendly Communities in Denver and other key initiatives being underway, we thought it'd be a good time to touch base with AARP State Director Bob Murphy.
0: Yeah, Adam, that's a that's a funny one. That's It's really the question we get the most uh, along with, uh, can you please stop sending me emails? <laughs> and the answer I always give is, no, I can't control that. Yeah. But we... We do have a very significant database. I'll just leave it at that. And, and uh, I more than once have heard from people, how in the world did you know I was 49 and a half years old to the day when you sent me that first solicitation letter? Yeah. We know. What could I say?
1: Well, you know, we, we have heard that it comes from uh, because you can go to the driver's license uh, departments here in most states and get any information you want. And I said, I heard that AARP just mines the driver's licenses and pays the state X amount of dollars. Anybody hits close, they send them the the info, and away it rolls, and if that's not true you can always call up the state and find out because i haven't. truly have no idea so i'm they, not, I'm not pleading i'm not
0: pleading the fifth here <laughs> I, I truly truly have no idea
1: no plausible <laughs> denial <laughs> yeah. no that different, is
0: different different department
1: that is the that is the total question that everybody said how did they find out and that's right on schedule so i thought i would start yeah. with that first
0: well it's probably worth mentioning that we are uh, a membership organization 38 million members um, nationwide including almost 700,000 here in Colorado, and we're nonpartisan and nonprofit. Okay. All right. We will start there.
1: AARP is always busy advocating for older adults in some form, if it's political, if it's just insurance, if it's health, whatever. That has always been the thrust and direction. Is that thrust and direction going to continue
0: it is. I think that's uh, the, the one thing our members expect the most from us is to continue to advocate on, on, on behalf of the 50 plus. And, you know, we, we are uh, uh, we call ourselves a social welfare organization. Our miss, our mission is to allow people to empower people, I should say, to choose how they want to live as they age. Mm-hmm. So that means a lot of things. But certainly in the advocacy realm, I think we're known for our advocacy on behalf of Social Security Medicare yeah and and that is certainly work that is ongoing. We also work on health care. We were very involved in those uh, conversations at the federal level a couple of years ago when there were some proposals out there to to, to change uh, health care as we know it and we felt very strongly that those proposals were unfair to the 50 plus particularly the poorer and the, and the rural yeah so uh, we were able to to help with other partners get that uh, get that set aside. Um, this year, our advocacy is focused on prescription drug pricing.
1: Prescription drug pricing.
0: Prescription drug pricing. Now that's been around a while. So Americans pay the most for prescription drugs of any country in the world, and that just should not be. It's mm-hmm. just not right. So uh, we we started a campaign in March of 2019 here called Stop Rx Greed, mm-hmm. and we have the membership, and you know we have what it takes to to take on big pharma, and that's what we're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: There are a lot of statistics that just aren't right, as I say. we You look at the price of brand-name drugs uh, in, in a five-year period from 2012 to 2017, uh, went up uh, 57% while the total inflation rate was 12%. And we can't continue to have drugs going up at five times the rate of inflation.
1: And they're manufacturing them just the same.
0: Yeah, exactly, because, exactly. Yeah. So, you know— the, the same drugs can be imported from from Canada for a whole lot less money so uh so somewhere there's a disconnect there is
1: uh, is, is there some legislation somewhere that was passed that said uh any negotiation with drug prices uh, in America uh, can't be done
0: yes and that's one of the things that ARP is advocating for there's a bill in the house it, in congress the house of representatives right now hr3 house resolution 3 that was introduced in September Mm-hmm. And one of the components of that bill would be to allow Medicare to negotiate for prescription drugs. Yeah. Medicare currently cannot by law. Really? They are the, the, the largest uh, customer of big pharma, $129 billion a year, and and they can't negotiate. So, I mean, that's a good business model, obviously, for, yeah, if you for, could, for if pharma. You could, if your, if if your you largest customer can't negotiate – but uh, we we obviously don't think that's right, think that law should be changed. And not only would that be good for our members and for anyone who buys prescription drugs, but between that and another component of this H.R. 3, which would be sort of, sort of a out-of-pocket out cost cap for Part D participants, between allowing Medicare to negotiate and instituting that cap, mm-hmm. it, it would actually save taxpayers $480 billion over the next decade. Wow. So. It's, it's good for individuals and it's good for taxpayers if we can get this done.
1: Is some states uh, advocating for lower drug prices as well? Is Colorado one of them?
0: So Colorado is one of, I think, three states. I know Vermont, Florida, and Colorado. I may be missing one. But this, this session in 2019 passed a law that allows the importation of prescription drugs from Canada. Uh, now, we can't do that on our own. It takes a federal waiver. Yeah, uh, and that that waiver would have to come from the Department of Health and Human Services from Mr. Azar, who's the Secretary of that department. Those conversations are underway, uh, but you know we think we think that's fair. You know, Congresswoman DeGette, Diana DeGette, yeah. uh, uh, CD one, Congressional District one here in Denver. I, I saw something she put out earlier earlier this week, and we're we're in the third week in October here, but uh, she she told a story about her own daughter has type 1 uh, diabetes and takes mm-hmm. insulin. Right? Yeah, sure. And her, I, if I remember the stats right, her daughter pays $300 every every two weeks and, you know, $700 some dollars a month for, for insulin. And wow. she, the daughter goes to her doctor and says, what can I do to save money? And according to the Congresswoman's story, the doctor said, buy it from Canada. It's $30 instead of $300. Wow. So, so insulin is not a new drug. It's been around for a century. Mm-hmm. So why does it cost... Ten times as much here as it does in Canada. Oh, that's, I think we all know yeah. the answer to that, but you know that that's one of the things that uh, that we're fighting against. Mm-hmm. You know, people, mm-hmm. the the average uh, Medicare recipient, sixty five plus, yeah. takes four and a half prescriptions, and and usually a couple of those are for chronic diseases. Insulin is just one example. So, mm-hmm. if the average income is twenty six thousand dollars and you're taking four and a half prescriptions a year. Uh, that's that just doesn't add up. So, yeah, yeah. you know, right now, over one in three Coloradans say that they they don't fill a prescription during the year because they can't afford it. Yeah, I, I, I that's feel, wrong.
1: I feel guilty because I have no prescriptions to fill. <laughs> I'm yeah, on the you're, lower you're end lucky. of that bunch. You're, you're lucky. <laughs> you know that is for sure. Um, and 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 that's a mountain that's going to take a little a little while to move. Then.
0: Yeah, we th- we think so. We thought we'd get some progress this year in Washington. Obviously, there's a little bit of distraction going on there now. You know, there is a bill, a separate bill in the Senate, the grassley widened bill, that uh, that would do a couple of things. Uh, it, it does not allow Medicare to negotiate for prescription drug prices, but it does a couple of other things. The House bill does allow Medicare to negotiate, Um that probably has a decent chance in the House, the Senate, I'm not so sure, yeah sure um uh, with the way things are right now and with statements that have been made, uh the President has consistently said he's he's on on the side of the angels, as we say, on this one and trying to lower prescription drugs prices, so we'll see yeah,
1: yeah, we'll see is the key. I guess another area you are working on are options for retirement savings,
0: yes, so this is some Colorado legislation we've been working on for the last four or five years and uh almost half i think the number is 48% of of coloradans do not have a retirement plan available through their workplace yeah uh typically that's smaller businesses or mm-hmm. you know, more transient type of employment sure. and statistics are, are are clearly show that people are 15 times more likely to save for retirement if they have a plan at their workplace so 15 times 15 times more likely to save for retirement really? if it's pulled out of their their paycheck at the workplace, but
1: if they have to do it themselves,
0: they just—it's you know—it's just harder. It's, that that's self-discipline is a little bit you, harder for all you, of us. You gotta have them happy meals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the Colorado Secure Savings Plan would be a state-sponsored retirement plan, not state-run, as some of the opponents like to say, but state-sponsored it would be administered by a by a, a, a large financial in, in investment firm, whoever would. Win the request for proposal, yeah, but uh, it would be a requirement that employers offer offer that have that box checked on on their employment. It really wouldn't cost anything extra for the employers. It's just something that they would be required to, to offer. The, the plan,
1: would the, it be like a 401K it then? Would be, it the, would be does like the employer a, have it would be to like a for,
0: contribute part of it? The, 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 good question. The employer does not have to contribute. Really? This is, this is a, a self-directed plan. Mm-hmm. The employee puts their money in. They can opt out, by the way. It's not completely mandatory. They can opt out if they want to. But uh, it's, a, it's one of those, I guess they call like a self-directed plan sure. where you'd be able to choose from a, from a menu of funds where you want to invest your money. And it would be mobile if you change jobs, if you go from one restaurant to another, or one ski area to another, or one construction job to another, another company. Uh, the plan would move with you. Good. good. So uh, portability is portability great. is key. It's Just like your cell phone. It's it's we right. It's working very well in Oregon right now. They are mm-hmm. in I think their second year, and they're they're well into eight figures out there of of money being uh, accumulated in in this plan. So that's a good thing. You know, ARP is known for advocating on behalf of social security which which we say is is an earned uh an earned benefit not an entitlement as, as some right. folks it's like not to an say entitlement. it's that something we pay into yeah uh, but so yes we we work hard on behalf of social security but that's not all that's not going to last you everybody for their retirement we encourage people to save as well.
1: well 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 the beauty in the uh in the retirement savings that you're talking about um if you're a worker and you're a 20 something you can become a part of that. You don't have to. You exactly. sit there and say, "Well, well, if AARP
0: is championing it, I, I got to wait till I'm fifty years old." No, no. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you can start putting money away at the age of twenty five, and if, uh-huh. you, if you do that, you're going to have a pretty do- doggone good nest egg by the time you're uh, sixty or sixty five.
1: Now is that something the state has to implement, or is there a federal thing you have to do first to allow uh, the, the state? The state
0: it? can do it. That's what that's what Oregon did. Yeah. Uh, and this year in 2019, we got a bill that that uh, that enabled a study committee. So they're working on that right now. There's a there's a committee led by our our uh, our treasurer uh, Dave Young, former former representative, and they're looking at uh, the feasibility of of implementing such a plan. And we hope uh, and think that that will be a positive recommendation. And then next year, next session in 2020, we're hoping to get a law passed to actually put that plan in place.
1: So you're going to get somebody to carry that bill then in January when they
0: come back? Yes, assuming that the recommendation from the study committee is a positive one. And our partners like uh, the Bell Policy Institute and others will get get somebody to carry that bill. Okay. That's something we can look forward to and. It's no burden on the employer, it's, it's, it, although it takes an opt-out rather than an opt-in for the employee. Yeah. It isn't right. completely mandatory. And, you know, let's put away five bucks a week and see what happens when we're 60 years old. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, because a lot, of, a lot of employees think, well, I can, I, 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 I can manage my money better than anybody else can, but they never realize they don't make enough money to go in the stock market by themselves or to buy bonds or whatever it's going to be, where yeah. it's going to move a needle. And they get to the end saying, "Oh well, what am I going to do now?" So yep. this is this is this is
0: a great way to do it. A great yeah, way we do it. again, we we just think it's logical, and mm-hmm. uh, and and we hope uh, we hope it it gets through for uh, on behalf of nearly again nearly fifty percent of working Coloradans that do not have this option at their mm-hmm. workplace. Mm-hmm.
1: And all you have to do is get a few states doing it, then it becomes a federal thing. Then if they'll pick yeah. it up at
0: some spot it, it or could, something yeah, like it, yeah, and that that could be, That mm-hmm. could be.
1: On this edition, our guest is Bob Murphy, State Director of AARP Colorado. With an AARP National Conference on Placemaking and Age-Friendly Communities coming up in Denver, we'll gain additional insight to that event and other aspects of being an age-friendly community on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch, stay on your game, and we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.